Thank you for listening to the weekly message from First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Now, understand something, church. I haven't uh, preached in two weeks, <laughs> so y'all might want to get comfy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what time's that blizzard coming, Dave? We got, we got time? Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. We better make dinner, brother. <laughs> hey, uh, grab your word. And we're going to start a new series. And what this series is, this is the Joshua Code series. And uh, I was scheduled to start last week, and, and, and we needed to be away. And so uh, we're going to jump in this week. This book that I've been reading and this series is going to come from, uh, the Joshua Code, is taken from Joshua 1.8. And this whole series is set up with... Um, basically 52 passages of scripture that the church must, must know, okay? Now, we must know a bunch of scripture, but these are 52 verses that the church has got to know. Now, obviously, if we do this the rest of the year, you're thinking there's only 52 Sundays in a year, and we've, we're getting a late start, preacher. I know that. We're not going to make all 52 this year. I'm going to pick... Uh, as we go through the year, I'm going to pick through that series on some verses that just really jump out. And basically, it's real simple. It's a verse per Sunday, okay? Now, we're going to look at a couple of others. Preachers are always going to add a couple. But its main purpose is one verse per Sunday. Now, we're going to have some interruptions with Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, Easter, things like that. And uh, we'll jump from there. But we're going to cover this the rest of the year. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be something rich. I mean, I'm about to bust, and I'm just kind of skimming the stuff, okay? It's very, very rich, and I want you to come with a pen that will not run out of ink this year, okay? I want you to come with notepads and pens and Bibles, and you're going to, your Bible is going to be very decorated by the end of the year. And we're going, to look at, we're going to look at some verses that the church has to know. And I'm very convinced as a pastor that the American church, the American church, the Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church is Scripture weak. They don't know the Word, man. They, they love to meet together, and they can eat like crazy, all right? And they can greet like crazy. And some of them are incredibly worshipful churches, but when you get down to the Word, and I mean knowing the Word, knowing the Word, I, I believe the church today is weak in the word. And I think you're seeing the implications of that in our society today. I, I've never met so many people that say they're Christians that live like hell. I'm just, I mean, I know that's really bad seminary right there. I, I really get bad grades in preaching class. But I'm just telling you the truth today. There's a lot of people out there that claim to know Jesus and love the church, and they're not living anything like it. Nothing like it. And I think we, we've got to get back to the word, man. If we're, I mean, we've got to get in that word, and we've got to know the word. We, don't, we can't just say, well, I like John 3.16. Well, I think it's a cool verse. You've got to know what John 3.16 means to you, and you've got to regurgitate that, and you've got to walk that, live that. That's got to grow hair, man. I'm telling you. You've got to live that stuff out. In the day, we're not living the word. It's a living word, and I don't think it's living outside the church anymore. I think it's just living, and sometimes not even living in here, okay? But I think it's got to live more than just in the church. It's got to live out there. 
If it's ever going to impact the neighborhoods in which we live, the schools in which our kids are in, it's got to grow legs and live outside the church. Y'all are thinking, oh, man, he is rolling, and he ain't even started, okay? I probably I haven't preached in two weeks, so hang on there, all right? So go to Joshua 1.8. Go to Joshua 1.8. Let's set the table here. This is the whole crux of this is off of this verse right here. Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And when you read that, you're thinking, wow, we ought to do that. That's a novel thought. You should do that. We should do that. That's real stuff. That's rich stuff. I want you to look in your, uh, on the bulletin, I mean, on the back of the bulletin. I want you to look at the challenge. I kind of wrote it out for you, and you'll hear this over and over again throughout the year. But the challenge for us in this series is to keep God's word in our mouths through meditation, okay, through meditations, meaning, and we're going to look at a psalm in a little bit, but, but we've got to keep the word on our tongue so that we will be quick to give the reason and the hope that we have in Jesus. We ought to be able to walk verses and give verses and live by verses, and they need to be on our tongue. Also, the challenge is to keep God's word in our hearts through meditation. I really believe that some of the Eastern meditation and all that stuff has chased the American church or the Christian church or the Bible-believing church away from meditation. We almost think meditation is like this. I just do fires, waving these feathers and doing this dance and stuff. That's not it. Now, they do that and call it meditation, but I'm telling you, it's meditation. We're missing meditation today in the church. I mean, you, you want to punish your kids? I mean, seriously send them a timeout? Make them go meditate. Make them go be quiet. Make them not move, not do anything, just sit in quietness. You want to punish kids today? Put them in quietness. They freak out, man. I mean, freak out. They can't do it. 30 seconds for like three years, all right? And for us as adults sometimes, if it gets real quiet and real still, we don't know what to do. I mean, God's about to send a blizzard here, and he's about to quiet this place big time, okay? But maybe that's what we have to, maybe that's what we need, okay? God just shut everything down and make us get quiet, make us get still, make us meditate on the things of God. Scripture says in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. You say, well, I know I'm your God when I'm moving around. No, you don't. You miss him all the time. But you get still, and you know that he is God. Stories told of a 10-year-old boy who gave his life to Christ, and he comes down to the front of the church, just like many boys have done here, and he tells the preacher what he did, and the preacher prayed for him, and they set him down, and he filled out a card. And then at the end of the service, the little boy stands up front, and people come by and greet him. This particular day, uh, as, as hundreds of people came by to congratulate the little boy on what he did, this little old man uh, came by and shook the little boy's hand, and said, and gave him a piece of paper and said, memorize this, you're going to need it. Now, the little boy looked at him, and he's just a little old man. Now, at 10 years old, everybody's old, amen. But this guy was really old, probably in his 80s. And so the little boy took it, and he didn't have time to really look at it because just constant people coming by. So he stuck it in his pocket. And when he got home, and after lunch, he went to his room, and he got his Bible, and he looked it up. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He looked it up. And he, and he read it, 
No temptation has seized you but that which is common to man. But God is faithful that when you are tempted, you may, you may bear the temptation, that you will not be tempted more than you can bear. That when you're tempted, God is faithful and he will provide a way out. 37 years later, I stand before you as your pastor of the little boy that that old man gave that piece of scripture to. And I'm going to tell you, through junior high, through high school, through college, and as a young married husband, no temptation has seized me, that which is common to man. But God is faithful that, that even when you're tempted, you will be able to bear that, okay? And you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. But every time, if your eyes are open, he will provide a way out. And you better use that door. See, I'm as tempted as you're tempted. And I'm going to tell you, the word has got to be where it's on our tongue and it's got to be on our heart. And when we need it, we got to give it and we got to get it out. Let me tell you something. I, I used to try to remind the enemy that, 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 that my last name's Ponder and that my dad was a deacon and that we were in church every Sunday and that we tithe and the devil did this. Thank you. I don't care. I'm still going to make your life miserable. He, that didn't scare him. But you know what scared him? No temptation has seized me, but that which is common to man. But when I am tempted, I am strong. I can bear it because he helps me to bear that temptation. And he will not allow me to be tempted beyond which I can handle. And my God, stupid devil, is strong enough to provide a way out for me. And I will use that door. Let me tell you, that right there got me through a bunch of stuff bunch of stuff and to this day it does until I lay my head down for the last time it will that scripture will be big to me that little old man that gave me that passage scripture I didn't know his name I don't even remember seeing him I don't remember if I ever saw him again I couldn't tell you who he was I can't tell you anything about him that's the first time I ever saw him in that big old church and he put that piece of paper in my hand, and he looked me in the eye. I, we were almost the same size. <laughs> and he said, you better memorize that. You're going to need it. And I'm going to tell you, when you're 10 years old, you do what your elders say. You should do it all the time. But I went home, and I looked that up, and it was big time for me. It saved me. Let's look at some things real fast. I want to look at memorization. Look at the definition. I kind of wrote it in there because I want to talk about it. I don't want to mess it up. Memorization enables us to receive the word into our hearts, okay? Retain it in our minds, recite it in our minds, and recite it with our mouths when we might speak it with power. See, that's, you got to get it in, and when you give it out, you got to do it in power. You can't say, well, God so loved the world. and he, No, no. You, when you're speaking scripture, you got to speak it with power. I mean with power. And, medit and memorization, my friends, is what gets us there. Just ask yourself, and I don't want any answers out loud. How many scriptures do I know by heart that I could speak right now? I, I, I have them memorized, and, and I could do it right now, right now. I could give them. How many could you do? 
Are you happy with that number? Could it be better? Should it be better? Would your kids know more than you? Thanks for the guilt, Jeff. No, I'm just asking. These are questions that got to be asked, you know? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, y'all got lower in that chair every time I ask. <laughs> like a wet pretzel. Hey, but you got to ask yourself. I mean, I knew a lot of dads when we were coming up through churches. And, and Awanas is a scripture quoting, memorizing big time. That's why I love Awanas so much because they were in the word, boy. I know a lot of dads that would pass that off to mom. You got a son or a daughter, and they need to recite back to you scripture. Dad, you better pull up a chair, and you better as the head of the house and the spiritual leader of your home, let that word come from your kids. Because your 8-year-old, your 10-year-old sees dad excited about the scripture that you know, guess what your son comes up to be? Strong man in the Bible. Your daughter will look for a man one day that knows the word and that loves the word because her daddy loves and knows the word. Man, do not pass that off to your wife. No, do not do that. You rob yourself of the greatest responsibility given to you by God. And that's to teach your children the word. We can clap for a touchdown. You better clap for a scripture. That's all I'm saying. Okay? Memorization is key. Look at Matthew 4. You don't have to go there. But remember the encounter in Matthew chapter 4? This is Jesus. He's been led away into the wilderness. He's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the enemy comes to him and says, I, I know you're hungry. So if you really are God, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? And he says, it is written, first thing out of his mouth, it is written. And then he goes on to say, man does not live by bread alone, but every word out of the mouth of God. But what does he say first? It is written. If Jesus quotes, claims, and the first thing out of his mouth is it is written to the devil, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? How does Jesus attack the enemy in that, in that situation? He says it is written. He doesn't say anything about, well, I am Jesus, you know. I think the Satan knew that at that point, okay? I, I'm pretty sure of that. So that's why when I said my dad's a deacon, he's like, well, I don't care what your dad's a deacon, right? I mean, he couldn't, he didn't care about that. But when I said the word, when I said the word, when we say the written word, when we say like Jesus, it is written, it is written, I am more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, when, we, when it is written and we say it is written that God knit me together in my mother's womb, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In all the days of my life were ordained before one of them came to be. I'm going to tell you, that gets his attention. And not only gets his attention, but that gives you power. Because when you get power and you quote the scripture, he just sits, man. He'll bow to you. He can't handle the word. If you don't know the word, He's going to come and get you. He's going to mess you up. He's going to try to tear your house up. But you fight with the word. You fight with the word. Written, you write the passage on your heart. I've talked to students for a long time, 18 years of student ministry, and I was constantly in asking you can testify, always trying to get students, and Erica too, and all the other youth, but they could, they could testify that, that, that I love to teach the word and want students in the word. And I used to say, you got to write the word out, you got to get a script, you got to write it out, and you got to put it in places where you're going to see it, okay? Now, for girls, 
I mean, the bathroom mirror is just an incredible time-eating machine. I mean, it'll suck life out of teenage girls. I mean, I can't tell you how long they put in it. So where does the scripture need to be? If your teenage daughter needs scripture memorization, I'm telling them, decorate the sucker. Okay, now they think they need that whole four by eight. They don't necessarily need it, okay? But you know, they just need a little bit. But decorate it. Why, girls? Because you're going to be in front of that mirror. And while you get ready... You better remember that the inner beauty is a whole lot more important than the outer beauty. And you better remember who you are inside because your heart will show. And your heart better reflect the beauty on the outside, okay? Don't spend so much time on the outside beauty and neglect the inner beauty because, my friend, it shows. For a guy, cars, trucks, mm-hmm, I'm telling you. So where do you put it? Please don't put it on the rearview mirror. I want you to know I'm behind you. Okay, but put it on the dash, not on the speed limit. Okay, don't cover up your gas gauge either. But put it where you can see it. You got to get the word in you. Let me tell you guys, I'm going to speak to you. You go on a date in your car with a girl and you got scripture on your dash, mm, you're going to have a real good date. I'm just telling you, that back seat, you will not even exist if you got scripture on your dash. You know why? Because between you and that girl is Jesus. And there is a line in the sand, and you do not want your nasty, grubby toes crossing it. So get you some scripture in your truck, in your car, put it on your dash. And, and when you go on that date, mm, mom and daddy won't have to worry, and neither will hers. Okay? So you need some scripture. Y'all are off the hook. Good to see y'all. All right? So here's the deal. <laughs> How to decrease a youth group. Speak to them in person in the youth, in church. But you got to get the scripture out there. For men... Wherever we at workplace, great place to put scripture. Put it around your computer screen. Put it on your desk. Put it wherever you are. Put scripture in front of you so you can constantly see the scripture. And you over and over again practice that. When I was driving back and forth to Amarillo when I was working at Quill Creek, Psalm three, I mean Proverbs 3, 3, 4, 5, and 6, I used to just quote all the time. Why? Because I love Proverbs 3 and I wanted that in my heart. And so I would just quote that and quote that and quote that while the sun came up over Amarillo, while the geese flew around in the fields. I mean, that's what I did. And so if you've got drives to work, you work at Pantex or Bell or, or wherever, man, get you some scripture and just turn the radio off and just quote scripture. Just, just keep doing scripture, scripture, scripture. And I'm going to tell you, it will become part of your life. And you'll love it, okay? Let's roll. Meditation. Meditation is to engage in contemplation and reflection. To focus one's thoughts on or to reflect or ponder over. You remember Mary, as the, as the, the shepherds came to see her and, and, they, and they came to see Jesus and, and all this other stuff. And it says in Luke 2.19 that Mary, when they left, the shepherds left, she took all these things in her heart and she pondered them. Okay, she pondered them. And when the word ponder is an interesting word because it's a Greek word. It means to stir together, stir together. So you take the meditation of the word, the memorization of the word, and the meditation of the word, and you just stir them. You just stir them. You say, really? Is that, and that is, that's in Scripture? Mm -hmm. You stir them. Look at Psalm. Go to Psalms with me. Psalm 1914. 1914. I want you to watch the stirring of the scriptures here. Psalm 19:14. May the words 
of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Watch that. May the words of my mouth, the, the what? The memorization of the word, of the word, okay? And then the meditation of my heart. The meditation is the things we ponder. We ponder that scripture, meditate on it. So the, so the memorization and the meditation, stir it together, mix it together like a cook, okay? And then let God bake it in your life. And I'm gonna tell you, all day long you walk in that. That memorization and that meditation. To whom, who, to? Oh, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. That's who to. Let me tell you, friends, when, when the church becomes a church that is empowered by the word, it is a powerful, powerful, powerful vehicle. We, as individuals, make up the church. If the church is weak, it's usually that the members are weak. If the church is strong, the body is strong. The members are strong. We are a strong church, okay? And we're strong because we have a lot of people that are serious about the word. But we don't want to be satisfied because if we sleep, he doesn't. He's coming. He wants us to fold our hands and sit back and get fat. And he'll come in here and knock us out. I don't want this church to miss a beat. I don't want this church to give the enemy a crack to make a canyon. I want us to stay in that word. I want us to stay strong and as a body. Let me tell you, when a church that knows the word, when Paxson hits a note in worship, the word will just push that worship right out of us. I mean, we'll go nuts, okay? And here's the deal. The beauty of worship added to the word is strong. You take only word and no worship, you're missing it. You take all worship and no word, weak. You take worship and word, woo, you better get steroids out. Because that church got power, man. I'm telling you, power. Because that is all about what Jesus is about. He is about worship. We were created for worship. And he says, my people must be a people of the word. You take the people of the word, created for worship, and you put them together, mm, son. You will only be strong, but you will draw a crowd. And then people will flock to this house, okay? I want you to join me for a journey on the Joshua Code. We're gonna hide the word in our heart, man, so that we might not sin against him. We're gonna learn the word. We're gonna memorize the word. We're gonna meditate on the word. We're, it's gonna be on our tongue. It's gonna be on our hearts. It's gonna be for our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. And people are not only going to hear the word, they're going to see it lived out daily. It will grow hair, man, and we will walk, okay? I want you to partner with me over the next many, many weeks. As we jump into this and look at this, I want you to partner with me on the Joshua Code journey. And I promise you, you ride with me, you're going to be deeper than you've ever been in your life in the word. All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you. And God, as we enter a time of invitation God, I just pray that what you have said today, that you will call us to today. God, through worship, through your word, however you've spoken, God, I pray that your people would be obedient to your word today. Maybe for us, we, we know we're not a man or a woman in the word. We, we don't know the word. 
and we want to know the word. We love the Lord and we love the church, but we're not, we're not in the word. And God, I pray that you would make us hungry for the word, that you would help us have a discipline and a habit to get in the word, be people of the word, be homes of word, families of the word. God, maybe this morning there's a family here that's been coming. They sense this is their church home and through this invitation time, they sense this is the time that they need to come this morning and join the church be a part of the body here at First Baptist. I pray you send in this one. Maybe there's someone this morning that just doesn't even know you, never has had a relationship with the Lord. There's never been a time where they opened their heart and invited you in. Maybe this morning, that's what they need to do. You would save them this morning and give them new birth. But God, during this invitation time, I pray you'd move us. Move us, Father. Move us. Maybe we'd be obedient. But on the other side of obedience is always blessing. Father, be honored now during this invitation time, your invitation in Jesus' name.